You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appears. The lights went out. The singing stopped, nothing left in the field but the rolling fog of their chilled breath, nothing left but the quiet movement of the sheep. And they, they stood in, in stunned silence. One of them dared to speak. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the things that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And no time was wasted there. He was surrounded by Mary and Joseph, the child born to us lying in the manger. The news spilled out of them as they told everything that the angel had declared. Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. They listened with intent, wondered about all the things that the shepherds had shared. But Mary... No, Mary knew. She really knew. She understood the gravity of the prophecy. She understood the weight of the miracle. So while everyone else wondered, Mary treasured up all these things. Mary pondered them in her heart. And just like they had arrived, they went. The shepherds returned. But it, it wasn't a quiet trip. It wasn't a hopeless night. No, they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Why? Why? Well, because it was true. That everything that was told to them was true. That the glory of the Lord that shone around them was true. That the glory of God in the highest was true. That the glory of Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world, is true. Overwhelmed with the glory of the Lord. How about you? I mean, how about me? See, the danger of teaching a Christmas series or the danger of, of preaching a message on Christmas Eve is that we might understand the facts about the narrative, but not be overwhelmed with Christ Jesus. That your December might have been churning with 
with one thing after another, and you promised yourself you would slow down, and it just never happened. And yet here we are, less than 24 hours, and, and we've, we've barely paused enough to notice the child. So I'm not, I'm not asking you if you've heard about the birth of Christ before. This is Carter County. Of course we have. I'm not asking if you've been reading a, a, an Advent devotional this month. I'm asking you and myself, are we even overwhelmed with the glory of the child? Like the kind of glory that would cause the angels to, to sing. The kind of glory that would cause the lowly shepherds to exalt the name of the Lord. Are we seriously gathering on Christmas Eve morning, running through a mental checklist of family gatherings, presents, recipes, like God forgive your church for this moment, for this week, for this life, for this eternity to come. We want to be overwhelmed with the glory of Jesus, the glory of the Messiah, the glory of God in the highest. So if you're in, if you're on board, well, let me show us what that might actually look like. This morning we'll be in Isaiah 9. Um, if you have a, a physical Bible or a digital Bible, you can turn there with me. If you've got a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV translation. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in your bulletin. But before we read the verse this morning, let's, uh, let's pray together. God, we confess that we often magnify, exalt everything else in our life, every problem that we have, every anxiety on our heart, every accomplishment we think we've, we've accomplished on our own. God, forgive us for not understanding the weight of the glory of Christ Jesus. So this morning, this, this Christmas Eve morning, uh, I pray that you would teach us um, a new way, a better way, the only way. God, allow us to see the hope and the glory of the Messiah, and we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. The question, what does Emmanuel mean? I've said it every week of this series. Emmanuel means God with us. It's the prophecy of Isaiah 7. It's the proclamation of the angel, God with us, Christ with us. And so we started every week in Isaiah 9. Christ with us means that. So I gave us three things so far. Christ brings light to the world. Christ brings joy to the world. Christ brings peace to the world. And so this morning, point four, a, a slight variant to the other points, but point four, Christ brings glory to God. I mean, which begs the question, what, I mean, what kind of glory are we, we even talking about? 
I mean, we, we can understand the baseline definition of that word, at least in the Greek, glory is known as doxa, which, which means of good opinion, means of praise, it, it means to honor. But again, like, we need more than just that. Like, what is this good opinion? Who, like, who is this God we must praise? Who is this God we must honor? What is this glory? That's our primary focus this Christmas Eve. What is this glory? Which, again, we'll answer in Isaiah 9. What is this glory? Well, let me at least give us a glimpse of that this morning. I'm just going to read one verse from Isaiah 9. i got plenty more scripture, but just Isaiah 9, uh, verse 7 right now. It says this in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. So from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So what is this glory? Give us three things from the passage. What is this glory? Uh, Letter A, if you're a note taker. It's the, it's the glory of his dominion. His dominion. So Isaiah prophesying around 740 B.C. speaks hope to an oppressed, crushed people of God as the Assyrian Empire growing in threat. The prophecy of the Messiah is unfolding that the enemy will not win, that light will, will pierce the darkness, that joy will conquer the nations, that peace will rest on his children. So in reality, like this, this entire chapter defines and exalts the glory of Christ Jesus, that the Messiah, the, the child to be born unto us, that he is the wonderful counselor. You know, in a world seeking counseling. Seeking counseling to deal with, with broken families and, and really messed up, busted childhoods. Counseling and marriages and relationships, finances. He, uh, he is our wonderful counselor. The mighty God. When, when we notice the weaknesses of our own bodies and the limitations of our time, He's just never frail. He's never weary. He is mighty when... When we are often not, he's our mighty God. The everlasting father, for all the great dads out there that still fail, for all the deadbeat dads that that never lived up to their calling, he's the perfect dad. He's always there for us. And when he leaves, he doesn't leave his kids alone. He's our everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Nervous? Anxious about what is ahead? He already knows. He's already there. He's our Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Glory, glory, glory. There's there's reason enough to honor. Like that is reason enough to praise, but carrying on into verse 7. For our time together. Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. Like, what does that even mean? What, what does this Messiah have to do with the king? Well, I thought we were done with 1 Samuel. We are. So let's go to 2 Samuel. For the prophet Samuel is now gone, but the Lord has now come to speak to the prophet Nathan. This, like this profound Christmas covenant promise over King David's life. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. He shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. I mean, we serve a God that keeps covenant. So Jesus wasn't a new idea. That the establishment of an eternal throne through King David was a covenant promise. A, prom, a promise that, that salvation would come through the Davidic line. It's why the gospel accounts, it starts like this, Matthew 1. Matthew 1, starting in verse 1. The book of, gene, of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, he was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. And on and on we go, all the way down to verse 17. So all the generations, from Abraham to David, were 14 generations. From David to the Deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. That Christ Jesus, from the line of David, is the fulfillment of Isaiah 9-7. That the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Why? Well, because the glory of Christ Jesus runs and rules it all. Colossians 1-16, for by him... Him being Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Why is that important to know? Well, because it's, it's not become a, a full reality just yet. That, that no sane person looks at, at the government of the existing nations and says, you know, I think we got this all figured out. I think, you know, I think America is finally at peace in Washington, D.C. No, Isaiah 9, 7 is also a future covenant promise, which means if, like, if God can keep his promise 
in 2 Samuel, then God will keep his promise in Isaiah 9, and then God will keep his promise in Colossians 1. Simply the glory of Christ Jesus is the promise that this really distorted, fractured government system littered throughout the nations will one day fully submit to the divine monarchy of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like, glory to God in the highest, because there, there is no other, there is no ruler greater. Like, should we, should we not shake in fear and reverence that this child in the manger is, is actually the ruler of, of eternity? The Word of God. The flesh of God. God incarnate. Let us not let the next 24 hours tick without being overwhelmed with the Christmas covenant promise. Let heaven and earth rejoice and sing. Salute this happy morn. The Savior, which is Christ our King, He on this day was born. O Lord, to Thee all glory be whom heaven and earth adore. For our Redeemer, we will praise this day and evermore. Glory, glory, glory. What is, I mean, what is this glory? Let her be. It's the glory of his righteousness. Middle of verse 7. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with, with justice and with righteousness. Which, to be clear, is required for the eternal dominion and kingdom to exist. Because honestly, maybe it's just me, but I mean, we're tired of corrupt politicians. We're exhausted of, of unrighteous men and women calling the shots. How about we make that personal? Tired of hearing story after story after story of abuse, manipulation, and theft within the walls of the church? Then I'm tired of the American church hiding the sin of its leadership so it doesn't impact the bottom dollar? No, we've, we've fractured the institution inside and outside the church. And yet the Messiah, Christ Jesus, with, with the culmination of his rule, will, will judge with righteousness. All of this brokenness will be made right. Lots of scripture here, John 5, 22, for the, the Father judges no one, but he, he's given all judgment to the Son. 2 Timothy 4, 1, I, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Acts 17.31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. See, Christmas isn't about a, a sweet baby that grows up to become a social justice warrior. Christmas is about the child to grow up and become judge of all. Where's the glory in all of that? Because maybe I'm, I'm ruining everyone's holiday spirit right now, but let me, uh, let me show you why this is great news. 
why we can glory in his righteousness. This is John 17, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that, you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you give me, gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. As Jesus begins to pray to his Father, he glorifies the Father, the Father glorifies the Son. Why? Verse 2 of, of those verses, since you have given him, him being Jesus, authority over all flesh, for what purpose? to give eternal life to all who might believe in him. That might know the Father, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Simply, like, here, here's the glory reality. Since Christ has all dominion, he's also given all authority, all authority to give eternal life. Let me, let me put it like this. The glory of His righteousness eternally matters because we are offered His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The nativity is a gospel story. The angels declare a gospel story. He is the Savior, Christ the Lord. And so he lived a life without sin. He died on a cross to take God's wrath that rested on you and I. He came back from the dead, and now he offers us the glory of his righteousness. So the glory is not how good, good you and I are. The glory isn't how like neat your past is or how... Sinful your past is. It's just not about us. It's His righteousness. It's His. Not mine. Not yours. It's His. He is the judge that paid for the criminal's offense by a criminal's death on a cross so that He might offer us eternal life through His righteousness. As Derek Thomas puts it, the gospel is not God loves us, but God loves us at the cost of his son. Are we not overwhelmed by that this Christmas Eve? The glory of, of his righteousness. Glory, glory, glory. What is this glory? I'll give you the last one. It's the glory of His promise. The glory of His promise. Can, can it all be true? Can the glory of the Lord 
fill the earth? Can the nations bow to the king of kings? Can the enemy be defeated with the final blow? Can there really be peace in this messed up world? Can there be a perfect government? Can there be justice for all the people that that have been wounded and hurt? Can it all be true? I don't know how much the shepherds knew in Luke 2. But I, I know they were intrigued enough to go search for the baby in Bethlehem. I know they were astonished when the child was actually there. I know they were shocked as they told the news to Joseph and Mary. And I know that they left glorifying God because everything that had been told to them had actually happened. So it's with this gospel confidence we read the last line of Isaiah 9-7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And that's just not there by accident. It's not the boredom of the Lord might get around to that one day. No, it, it is the plan by design. The zeal, the passion, the enthusiasm of the Lord of hosts will do this. Like God doesn't make promises he can't keep. God doesn't make promises that he's going to forget. 2 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ that has anointed us and has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as assurance. The glory of his dominion, the glory of his righteousness, the glory of his promise. We utter the words, amen to God for his glory, 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 glory. Sunday, uh, December 3rd, we uh, kicked off this, this series, O Come Emmanuel. And we do a Christmas series every year. This year was not going to be any different. Uh, I had outlined uh, the series around Thanksgiving time. Uh, I put together the logos, slides, studied. I wrote out the points. Uh, wrote out the sermons each week. But it was week, week one. December 3rd. We had just listened to the communion devotional in the first service. And, you know, I don't, I don't take communion in both services. Nothing wrong if I did. Um, I just usually only take it in the first service. So we finished the prayer. I walk up here and grab the juice and the bread. Soft music began to play on the speakers like it does every week. And then I sat over there and I prayed a, a prayer that revealed 
the, the deepest part of my own heart, for whatever reason, I just wasn't into this um, church thing that morning. Tired, um, anxious, numb. But, you know, you're the preacher, so you got to suck it up and preach. And I sat there and I, I just felt, you know, a little defeated for no good reason. And without really thinking about it, I just began to silently pray this prayer. God, please be with me. It didn't work. So I was like, all right, didn't feel anything. Let me try that again. Um, God, please be with me. Like, please, like, I, I, I need you with me. God, please be with me. God, Please be with me, God. Please be with me, God. Please be. And just mid-sentence, I stopped. And it might sound weird to some of you all, but the Holy Spirit just stopped that prayer. And he reminded me of his word. And he reminded me of what would be in in the big, bold letters on the screen. I'm praying, God, please be with me. And God's word is telling me, Emmanuel. God with us. Yeah, he's already with me. He's already there. Think how many you know how many dark times do we do that? How many dark seasons do we feel that? As we walk through the chaos of life and disappointing news and the dreams that we had that have died, the loved ones that we have that have died, the, the very real seasonal depression, the anxiousness in the gut, the, the loneliness that we would maybe be embarrassed to share with others, the times when God feels so very far away. And maybe you've prayed it too, or maybe you've just felt it. God, please be with me. But the truth is, if you're in Christ, if you are a child of God, He's already there. And all of the highs and all of the lows, that as we draw near to God, God draws near to us because He's already there. See, that's the God of the Bible. And that's, that's been the plan all along. Covenant after covenant after covenant after covenant from Genesis to Revelation is the story of God with us. How is that possible? Emmanuel. Christ was born. And so here's the thing. Since Christ is with us, we also receive it all this Christmas Eve morning. Since Christ is with us, we actually do receive his dominion and his righteousness and his promise. Glory, glory, glory. Christ with us means 
glory with us. That's your main point. Let's pray together. That mourns in lonely exile here Until the Son of God appears Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Shall come to thee, O Israel Joy.